In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Well, I'm sitting here with Edwin Tickham. Appreciate you taking the time, man. You know, I, uh, I know you, you in the daddy, daddy time with the kids and everything, your retired life and all that, but I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I want to go through sort of a little bit of a rundown. You, it seemed like you've, you've touched on everything in your career. You've been a, uh, you've won a World Series, you threw a no-hitter. Uh, you, uh, what's what's the other one? What's the other one? Bring me to the other one. What's the yeah, other one? Got, got an All-Star. Got an All-Star game. Uh, Olympics. Uh, Olympics. We got, we got a medal. Uh, yeah. You've been yeah, all over the place, man. And I think the the biggest thing for me is just a a, a, a big injury free career. That's that's the most that's the biggest right. thing that I take out of it, man. To play that yeah. long and no major injuries, that's that's a blessing. People don't know, like you never iced a day in your life. I stopped icing spring training twenty three. I mean, spring training two thousand three. I stopped icing. That's crazy. Yeah. You never had no arm injury or anything. Nothing major. Nothing. I've been on a DL a couple of times, but I never stopped throwing. Nothing. That's, nothing. Nothing to just stop me from completely throwing it in, in a real shutdown. I know surgery. I. You know, it's funny. I remember. So, just give the audience a little bit of, of a backtrack, a little bit. But so I covered Edwin my first year, um, covering baseball actually with the A's, and I remember when my mentors Rob Parker hit me up was like, "Yo." Uh, you know, rest, I mean, the Asia signs such and such. And I think, you know, I wasn't on a road trip. I think you debuted in Detroit, right? With the right. That's where, and that's where you became an all-star um, in 2009, I believe, right? 2009, right. Yeah. So, so, but I wasn't on that trip. And so he was like, make sure you introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see you in the clubhouse, but before I could even introduce myself, Edwin comes up to me and is like, yo, what's up? I'm Edwin. And I always found that to be uh, sort of, um, you know, it was my launching pad into my career in terms of, you know, because people always talk about, you know, getting rookies acclimated to a clubhouse in terms of like, you know, rookies that come in out of your teammates. But what gets lost is the players that that sort of take some of the younger media members under their wing and show them, the ropes of how you just sort of go about your day-to-day business and what can give you sort of the the insight as to as to you as a player. So that's something I always appreciated about you. Um and it and, and it's so funny because it, it trickles down to um the player part of it where I go over to cover the Red Sox and three fifths of that pitching staff are people that you mentored, right? It was yeah. it was it was David Price, it was Rick Porcello, and it was Chris Sale. And I get to the Chris Sale piece because I spoke to I was speaking to Chris Sale last year. I'm like, oh, you play with Ejax. Right? He's like, yo, that's my guy. That's my mentor, such and such. 
And he just sort of had this really, really big, big, um, you know, smile on his face. And he was like, yo, and that mother for never ISIS. I was like, yo, I forgot about that. I forgot he got, he, he didn't ice. So it's coupled with the injury part in terms of, in, in, you know, not getting injured and, 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 and having the career that you had 18 years in the big league or something like that, um, making the money that you made. But the impact that you had on, I think, just players in general across the league, you know, where 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 did that necessarily where did that come from? Man, I mean, back in the day when we came up, that that's what was taught to us, you know. Uh I mean, I came up in 2003. I was the youngest, not only in the, on the team, but I was the youngest in the league for the first two years of my career. And uh that's that's how the veterans handled us. I, I came up, you know, uh Ricky Henderson, Fred McGriff, or my locker mates. Um they took care of me. They kind of showed me the ropes on the pitching side. Um, we didn't have any black pitchers, but Eric Gagne took me under his wings um, on the pitching staff. We had the same agent. Um, he, he took me under his wings and kind of showed me the ropes. And, and, you know, they all got me a couple suits, you know what I'm saying, take me out to eat, never let me pay for nothing. So I came up in a time where that's what you did for the rookies, you know what I'm saying? The veterans had all the money. They had, they had way more money than we had. So they made sure that we we didn't have to pay for nothing and still get the experience uh, what it is to be a big leader. So that's something that I always carry with me. Um, taking the rookies, I mean, you know, taking the rookies, they already scared. People don't want to talk to them. Everybody messing with them, you know what I'm saying? But I've always been cool with them, you know what I'm saying? Um, anything that I always had to say to somebody that was a rookie, I ain't never want to embarrass nobody. So I pull my boys to the side and kind of give them game like whoop de whoop you know what I'm saying? You might not want to do that or you might want to do this. It, for me, it was never about embarrassing somebody. Uh, I mean, I had my fun. Don't get it twisted. I had my fun and I stayed on my boys. Yeah. But when it was something, you know, saying something for me to uh, a teaching moment or a pivotal lesson, um, I will pull them to the side, you know what I'm saying, to kind of, you know, X, Y, and Z, this is how you go about this. Because, I mean, a lot of people go in there and they, they try to embarrass people. Some of it is fun, some of it is not fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, everybody in there is a person. And uh, I never lose sight of that, that everybody is a person from you can have 20 years or you can have one day in the league, you know what I'm saying, you're still a person. And you, uh, I always feel like I treated people with respect until they gave me a reason not to. And that's just kind of how I carried myself. It didn't matter if you was the clubby or the, or the president of the team. You know what I'm saying? I treated everybody the same because uh, I feel like everybody deserved the same treatment until you give otherwise. And it's funny, all the boys I took under my wings, they all became superstars and made a lot more money than me. And I, and I took pride in that, you know what I'm saying? That was fun for me to watch all my boys get paid and, you know what I'm saying? Um, booming to these superstars that they became. Hey, hey, don't don't get it twisted though. You you made your change too, bro. You live in the villa. Don't don't let these people don't let Evan yeah. fool you, bro. He got he got he got the movie theater and all that. Yeah, I'd have done all right for myself. I'd have done all right for myself, man. We all blessed for sure. You know, yeah. long a long ways from Columbus, Georgia. For sure. And 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 when when I know CeCe talked about it a little bit, but talked about the clubhouse, you know, atmosphere when he came in versus what it was like, you know, by the time he retired and how he tried to create that space for for younger kids coming up in the league and you know who are just getting their their, their feet wet how, how how did the clubhouse how did you see the clubhouse sort of shift or did you see a shift from the time that you came up versus um, you know what it is uh at, at the time you retire i think the main thing is the game got younger again mm -hmm. and when the game transitions to younger um the veteran leadership um it kind of dissipates a little bit you know so you start losing 
the veteran leadership, um, especially as a black player. Uh, we start we start losing black players, and you know, what I'm saying as a black player, a young black player, you can get leadership from other people, but when you get leadership from a black veteran, it, it's different because you feel like it's mm -hmm. somebody that can really relate to you. Um, being a black player, but I think it's just the game, though, man. Like you said, I mean, when I came up, you had five, six people with 10 plus years in the league, you yeah, know, on one team. You said so now, I mean, the amount of people with 10 years, period, is, is not a lot. So, uh, the veteran age is changing. Mm -hmm. um, you got dudes in there that's 23 and they might be one of the veterans, you know, yeah. Um, so I think the game has kind of changed in that way. Um, I think to to spread and and to to pass it down, it got to be taught to you. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the a lot of the veterans now haven't had a chance for it to really be taught to them how we came up, and so they doing what they know. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No, I was just saying they doing they doing what they know, and that's kind of the reason for the culture kind of maybe changing a little bit. Yeah. Why, why, what do you think that the, the reason is why you had, because you said you had 10 players, so, you know, sometimes with like 10 plus years of experience just on one mm -hmm. team. Now you're lucky if you right. have four or five. Why, why do you think that that is shift? You think it's because of where the game is going, where what people, what teams are looking for, uh, service time manipulation? What, 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 do you think, mm -hmm. what do you think goes into that? Man, I, I think a lot of it is just the game getting younger. Uh, mm -hmm. The game getting younger, so a lot of a lot of older dudes not necessarily getting a chance to make it ten or ten years. Uh, obviously, you got your, your your superstars who didn't sign ten years plus, or you know, or you any guys who didn't sign ten year plus, they gonna be around the league for ten years, you know, give or take. Because I mean, teams now even letting people go, making fifteen twenty million, they let yeah. you go if they if they feel like they can't use you. So, I think the game is just changing in that aspect, man. Uh, where everybody getting younger so people getting younger people getting hurt younger um a lot of people not making it to that 10-year mark and um it's just it's just where the game is right now and it'll change again i mean it's a game of evolution transitions it went from young to old it'll go from old to young it may go back to young to old so who knows how many times it's going to transition um when it's said and done and every transition comes with a culture change. Uh, that's just that's just kind of how it is. That's just kind of life. The evolution of life um, comes with change, and that's just yeah. where we at right now. What's it like when you when you do get to that? Um, just even before the ten years, when you get to say free agency, right? And mm -hmm. and you get to free agency, you got your money with the with the, with I think believe with the Cubs, right? Right. Didn't really didn't necessarily go the way you where you wanted to go there, but right. But, but but what's it what's it like when you when you first get that bag to put it in 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 in, in the lamest terms or the way the right. way kids talk today what what what's that feeling like when you when you when you finally get there? Man, uh, it's a sense of hard work paying off. Uh, first off, you know you feel like you get rewarded for the work you didn't put in to to that point. Um, and then it becomes, what am I going to do with it? You know, right. And, and you go through that phase. What am I going to get? And after you get over the phase of, okay, splurge and everybody going to splurge a little bit, you have to get it out your system. And if you don't, it's going for that, that, that feeling is going to forever be there where you feel like you got to spend and got to spend and got to spend. So once you get that little splurge out your system, then from, from then it's, you know, it's, it's game on. Okay. How can I, 
what can I invest in? Um, what can I do to help the community? Um, how can I help those around me and uh, build mm -hmm. generational wealth? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a lot of factors that go into it, man. Uh, when you first get that check, uh, I know the first instinct, I know a lot of people want to spend, but like I say, when you have that little spinning period and you get it out the way after then, it's game on, it's, it's locked in. Like, how can I make this money grow? Because baseball ain't going to be forever. And I mean, I signed for a good little bit amount of money, but I don't feel like that money I signed for is no forever money. It's money right. that for sure. It can for sure go away. And so you got to uh -huh. be cognizant. You got to be cognizant of that. And uh, you got to be aware that just because you got a bag don't mean it, it can't go. Because it evaporate, right. it evaporate quick. You look up and a million is gone before you blink. So you definitely gotta uh, be smart to be mindful of, of kind of where you're spending. And, and you were somebody, if I remember correctly, who was known around the league as being doing well with his money, right? Like, like in putting his money away in certain places, being mature about your money, and 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 you know, not you talk about splurging, but not not going over the top with it, right? I think. Am I correct on that? Like, I believe it's, it's I, I, somebody, knowing, somebody had, knowing how to crawl that. before you walk. Knowing how to yeah. crawl before you walk, man. You can ball on a budget. Everybody can ball on a budget. Uh, I had yeah. a homeboy tell me, he was like, man, the one thing I took from you is how to do something without having to fully do it monetarily. You know what I'm saying? How, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. how to ball on a budget, how to crawl before you walk. I mean, like, I couldn't go out and spend like some of my other partners could because they have more money than me, but I can do what I do. And I'm comfortable mm -hmm. with what I can do. I think a lot of people get lost when they're trying to live up to somebody else. You know, so you yeah. got to live. You got to live up to yourself, and you got to stay within your limits. If you're trying to be like the next next John Doe, you gonna be in trouble because that next John Doe might have a hundred a hundred more million more than you. You know, what I'm yeah. Saying? <laughs> so and so can PJ it everywhere. That don't mean I can PJ it everywhere. I can I can pick and choose my little points when it matters, but. You just gotta you gotta be smart with it and understand what you can and can't do and and it get hard sometimes with some people because the people around you can do certain things and you feel like damn I can't do that but you gotta be comfortable with what you can do and understand what what you're doing is still most than the average person can do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I, th and I think a lot of people get lost in that. It's I have nowhere near the money that you guys have nowhere near right. But I remember one time I was in Miami. And uh, it was me and my boys at the club, club, and we're young, and we're spending money, and we had a bottle service. Cameron was right next to us, right? The rapper Cameron. That dude was getting bottles after bottles after bottles. So my man's is like, yo, we got to get a couple more bottles. And I was like, all right. And then the next day, we looked at our bank accounts like, yo, what were we doing? Like we, there's no way we could have matched this guy. This guy, this nah. guy's like a. We talk about Hall of Fame players. He's almost a Hall of Fame rapper. Like, what are we doing, right? And, and, and so, and, <laughs> so and we just stuck with our, our little one or two bottles and left it at Man. that, and just had been been sipping on that the entire time. Got what we could have got, but we wanted to be living this life that was like, not even not even close to what our living way above our means. Man, I'm telling you, you, think about this, bro. You go to a store, you might get a bottle. Let's just say a bottle of Tito's. A bottle of Tito's might cost you what twenty bucks, twenty twenty five dollars in the stuff. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You go to a club, that bottle of Tito's might run you eight hundred. I know, cause especially in Miami, you know, and every demographic is, is yeah is different. That's why I used to. That's love about Atlanta. what it was. That's why I used to love about Atlanta, though. That's why I liked Atlanta, cause Atlanta, you can go and and 
2500 is still a lot of money don't get me wrong but 2500 compared to 5000 to 7500 is a big difference you can go spend 2500 and you'd have a hell of a night you yeah know, compared to five and ten thousand dollars for the same amount of price same amount of bottles you bought it's, it's crazy how every every city different prices that's why i said a lot of people want to go and you want to ball and when the prices come you're like whoo <laughs> yeah you're gonna, you're gonna pay to play you don't got it you don't have to say the number but what is was what was the time when you woke up and was like dang i shouldn't i shouldn't i shouldn't have uh i i shouldn't have uh I, I went a little bit crazy last night. <laughs> Man, you know what? I think, honestly, the most I didn't ever spent, maybe it was like 10 grand, 10, 15 grand in the club. Mine ain't been super crazy, man. <laughs> Mine ain't been that's super crazy. crazy. That's still crazy. I, I, I mean, that's crazy, but in the grand scheme, you got, you, you, I done heard of some bills, quarter mil, 150, yeah. 100, you know, some 75 yeah. racks. 80 racks so i mean compared to that i mean especially i mean i was making multi multi millions so for that 10 grand that didn't seem too bad for me yeah you know yeah, compared to yeah. some of the stories i'd heard but it's still a lot of money and i understood that so i wasn't trying to go spend no 10 grand i wasn't i wasn't i, I tried to make sure for sure that there wasn't no everyday occurrence that i'm out you know what i'm saying spending 10 10 grand in the club and that was a big night that was a i felt like it was a, like a it was either probably like a wedding like yeah the day before the wedding or something like that so it was like a special occasion where you know what i'm saying it made sense yeah what's been the most uh, um i guess what was the most uh, a thrilling part of your career and then as you look at you know your post career where you got more time with your kids and stuff like that what what do you think is um what's been the most rewarding uh both your playing career and then your post career man i, I for me it's a it's a multi, multi-answer question. I think the most thrilling part of my career, um, I, I think I got a couple, there's a couple different answers to that. Uh, the way I made my debut was kind of storybook. Um, on my on my 20th birthday, uh, facing Randy Johnson with my family in attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a special way to start a career and uh, it was dope. And you know, saying it was it was storybook. It sounded like something that was written in a story. And then uh, having a chance to be in a World Series twice, one as a loser, and then win it in 2011. Um, I feel like for me that was a that was probably the most thrilling part of my career. But I would say um, the most memorable for me is uh, having my family at my hundredth win. Uh, when I was with Oakland, because that was that. that was one thing that we was we was able to do uh, entirely as a whole, as a family, um, you know, and and having a chance to bring my family on the field and celebrate with me, that's one uh, that I won't forget. And you know, I was it was towards the back in my career, so it was one that that felt um, felt close to the heart for me, and that was that was one of that was probably the most special moment for me just because I got a chance to um, share it with my family, you know, bring yeah. the kids on the field and celebrate with me. That's what, that's what I won't forget. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember it cause you had, I mean, your kids were in, where were you? It's still in Arizona for a lot of the year, right? Right. They would come and back. I, I think you were there dolo. Cause it was like, yeah. cause I, cause, cause I remember when you signed, it was like, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. I'm a bum. I'm a, I'm a pitch until they take the ball out of my hand. That's kind of what you always used to say. And you end up having one of your 
better years that year. And right. I remember that you, you had, I think you live in the, about like a one bedroom apartment somewhere that already came furnished type thing, living month to month. And, uh, and, and then you, you, you ended up being the only starter because it, here's another thing to your career. You're the only, you're, you're the first starter to be in a playoff game in the bullpen and uh, being the only starter on the roster for one, for a playoff game in 2018 <laughs> when they went full bullpen game. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> ready. I was ready. I wanted to ball. Man, that's, <laughs> that's the mentality you got to keep, man. Win, lose, or draw. You got to keep that mentality. Uh, I want the ball. Because as soon as you lose that, I want the ball. I mean, I feel like everybody feel, feel off of it. They feeding off of it. Uh, yeah. you know, old clubhouse feed off. When, I mean, you can go you can go lose. Like I say, I had a season, what, I think it was 2013 where I lost 18 games. Mm-hmm. Most in the league, but I never did lose uh, the respect from the clubhouse because I wanted the ball. All the yeah. late team losses, I was ready to take the ball. I was getting my ass kicked, but I was still ready to take the ball. You know what I'm saying? I never mm-hmm. did lose. I ne- it was never a point where I'm like, I don't want to pitch. And right. I think I said, your teammates feel off that. And, and, and as, a, as a fan, you don't know what's going on the inside. All you see is results, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you sucked. And I'm like, that's cool. I did. You know what I'm saying? I lost, I lost 18 games. It wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but yeah. I never lost the clubhouse. I never yeah. lost what I was as a person. And my respect probably, I probably got more respect in the clubhouse because they see the way I handled it. You know, they, I, I didn't walk around with my head down. I, I manned up and I worked hard. I ain't never stopped working and I was still ready to take the ball every fifth day. And yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people's careers would have been shattered after that. You know, they probably would have went home and been done with baseball. But uh, yeah. the way I the way I work, man, the worse I do, the more I want the ball and want to come back. You know, what I'm saying just to, just to let people know that ain't me. I, I know we run out of time here, but I, uh, but I, and it's probably a multi layered question, or, or it's, we could probably go in deeper this. But when you see, like, I guess you talk, you talk about you know taking the ball every fifth day, taking the ball until the manager takes it out your hands. When you see guys going now, like, say, four innings plus, you know, five plus innings, and then they say, okay, taking the ball from Then you got a situation like George Kirby who says, I shouldn't have been out there in the seventh, eighth inning, right? Like, is that is, – is, 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 is now that the way the game is going, are players now getting conditioned to a point to say, Okay, well, here's my my time is up, and sort of looking over to the manager. Do you think? Do you think the fact of where the game is going analytically and getting like say four plus five plus innings from starters has sort of shaped the mindset, the change of change the mindset of the starter? Oh, that's a good question, and I ain't really talked to nobody about it because I don't know. I'm not in a clubhouse right now, but I would think that if that's the way the game going and that's what's getting people paid, that subconsciously it has to change the thought, the, the, the mind frame of a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like we had to go, if we, if we was only going four or five innings, we was in a bullpen as a long reliever. So naturally our mind frame had to be, let me go six or seven innings. Let me get a quality mm-hmm. start. And even if you wasn't thinking it subconsciously, it was in the back of your mind, like, let me mm-hmm. go six or seven innings, you know what I'm saying, before, before I come out the game, because I want to go as deep as I can. Um, that was our mentality as a starter. I'm going to, I can't go anymore. You know, I might just get, I might just be getting going at 50, 60 pitches. You know, I might just yeah. be 
get in my groove at 60 pitches. I was trying to pitch 115, 120 every game if they would let me. Uh, and yeah. I had conditioned that way. My body was conditioned that way. I think what it does is, is, is like you're trying to run a marathon, but you train for a half marathon. Uh-huh. And and like I say, that's where your mind goes naturally. So if, if everybody going five, five, maybe six innings, then I feel like the body is going, that's what the body is going to be used to doing. That's the amount mm-hmm. of workload that the body is going to be used to doing. And mentally, it may make some people just automatically go there. Like, okay, after five, I'm done. Like an automatic right. shutdown. Um, not saying that it's going to work for everybody because everybody um, mentality is different. But I would say if if that's the the way the game is going, then subconsciously in your mind somewhere, when they get to that fourth or they get to that fifth inning, that sixth inning is it's a iffy, and it's mm-hmm. hard to say it may vary player to player. You know, right. Merrill right. Kelly, saw Merrill Kelly, uh, he was mad when he came out. You know, so it's hard for me not watching the game to see everybody's reaction to coming out after five innings. And I did hear that one interview. I did hear that interview you were talking about when he said I shouldn't have went out for the fifth. And uh, and maybe that's some people's mentality. Maybe that's the game has created that mentality for some people where five and dive is, is good. I mean, people get paid from it, so it has to create that mentality in some capacity. To what capacity, I don't know. But in some capacity, I would imagine that subconsciously some people looking after five innings, okay, I'm done. And last question, how many pitches did you throw on your no-hitter? 149. <laughs> I didn't even know how many pitches I had. I I was just throwing. I didn't know how many pitches I had. Yeah. Zero clue. Um, I just know I was throwing. I, I felt I felt good. I was I was throwing. I just, I mean I didn't feel good at the beginning of the game, but stamina wise I felt good. Now, yeah. Technically I felt like I was off at the beginning, but uh, as far as durability and uh, endurance, I felt like I could keep going. Well, shit. you look like you, you still look like you're you're, you're thirty, dog. So, so I appreciate man, these kids. Yeah. These kids trying to age me. I'm trying to try to shake them off, man. I might have a couple of gray hairs growing. Nah, you still got all your hair right there, bro. I'm going through some stuff right now, so we got. Right. So I got this joint on, but yeah. uh yeah. So I appreciate you, Ejac. You know, have a good rest of the holiday, and uh you know, happy New Year too. Uh, good. Likewise, brother. Hey, be blessed, man. Have a have a blessed 2024. Yes, sir.